Yo, 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 good evening and happy Tuesday, everybody. Welcome to episode 147 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe, and thank you again for listening. Week 9 in the NFL is in the books, including a couple of upsets. I'll do a recap of the action, along with my takeaways from Week 9. And Week 10 of college football is in the books. There was a shakeup on this past Saturday, and I'll do a recap on the action there, along with my takeaways. And I'll close with a, a brief recap of the World Series as the Houston Astros won the championship in six games. Coming up on the other side. Stay tuned. All right. Now, without further ado, let's get episode 147 started. You know where I'm going to start my opening take is in the NFL. Talk about a wild week nine, including a couple of big upsets. I'm going to start with probably the biggest upset of the um, week, and that's the Buffalo Bills versus the New York Jets. The New York Jets pulled this game out 20-17. to Now, Buffalo in the first half was leading by 11. And you think Buffalo was going to roll in this one, right? Wrong. The Jets' defense stepped up in the second half and held the Buffalo Bills to three points. And they did it on the backs of the running game and the defense. Zach Wilson had 154 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. He also had 24 yards rushing. Michael Carter, 76 yards rushing, one TD. James Robinson, who he acquired from Jacksonville, 48 yards. But the defense, I mean, they were very stingy. I mean, they made it hard for the Buffalo Bills to move the ball. And the running game helped Zach Wilson out, so Zach Wilson didn't have to do a lot in this one. Josh Allen had 205 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, also rushed for 86 yards. He didn't get nothing else after that in the running game. Devin Singleton only had 24 yards rushing. Stephon Diggs had 93 yards receiving and Gabe Davis 33 yards for the New York Jets this is probably the biggest win in my guy coach Robert Sala's young career as a head coach I mean this is going to be not only a confidence builder but a team builder I mean going forward the Jets now have a chance to possibly skim into the playoffs they now have six wins to their to their name so they are 6-3. and three. There's a good chance they could, they could get 10 or 11 wins depending on how the rest of the season goes. For Buffalo, this is there's some bad news that came out of this. Josh Allen, he's being looked at for UCL, which of course is an elbow injury. Now, they're, they're, not, they're not saying much right now. The, 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 um, Sean McDermott, the head coach, but... We have to see, we have to monitor this one closely because if Josh Allen is down for a certain amount of time, Buffalo could be on a downhill spiral. But what this also does for Buffalo is they're now 0-2 in the division. Even though they have the best record in the division, they've already lost two games to the Jets and now, and of course, back the Miami Dolphins. So if the Miami Dolphins and the Jets can, can keep winning their division games, they're going to keep the pressure on Buffalo to keep winning there, to, to win some division games. If they want to win this AFC East division and get the number one spot 
in the playoffs. Now let's move on to another upset, and that's the Green Bay Packers versus the Detroit Lions. You figure the Green Bay Packers would get back on track with this one. Oh yeah, it's the Lions. Aaron Rodgers and company should get on track, right? Wrong. The Detroit Lions pulled the upset 15-9 in a very low-scoring game. I mean, this was some terrible football. I mean, I didn't see all of it, but just a little bit I see, it was not very good. This is the Detroit Lions' second win of the season. Jarrett Goff had 137 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Jamal Williams had 81 yards rushing. And Amon Run St. Brown, 55 yards receiving. Aaron Rodgers had 291 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. And a couple of these interceptions was in the red zone. He also had 40 yards rushing. And of course, the the, 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 ta- the running tandem of A.J. Dillon and Aaron, Aaron, jo- Aaron Jones was a no-show. 34 yards for A.J. Dillon and for Aaron Jones, 25 yards. Alan Lazard had 87 yards and one TD. I'm going to ask this question for Matt LaFleur. And the Green Bay Packers. What are y'all doing here? You have AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones, two great good running backs, and this and you only can muster up 60 yards between the two of them? What's going on here? I mean, you know that um these receivers are young and they're having their struggles, and Aaron Rodgers is having a hard time, you know, getting these receivers up to speed and getting the ball more consistently. But the run, you need to have the running game to help Aaron Rodgers out. So what's going on here? But this, the Packers now fall to three and, and six. And they play the Cowboys, Cowboys coming up this weekend. And, and a loss by the Dallas Cowboys, I mean, to the Dallas Cowboys, could be the end of their season. For the Detroit Lions, well, look. I mean, they, 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 they play hard. You got to give them credit. Dan Campbell has these guys coming to play, even though they seem like they didn't come to play the last couple of weeks. But this one, they came to play. So we'll see if this is a way for the Lions to, you know, build going forward because they're not going anywhere, of course. But, you know, when you're a bad team, you always want to look for, you know, wins to build off on to see what you can take in the offseason and how to get better. Now let's move on to the LA Chargers versus the Atlanta Falcons. The Chargers won this game 20-17 on a game-winning field goal as time expired. Now this was a this was a close game throughout. I mean, tight, tight throughout the whole game. Justin Herbert had 245 yards passing, one TD, one interception. Austin Aguilar, 47 yards and one TD. And they were down their two best receivers, Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. But no problem. Josh Palmer, 106 yards receiving, and DeAndre Carter, 53 yards. In a losing effort, Marcus Mariotti had 129 yards passing, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Cordell Patterson made his return, 44 yards and two touchdowns. Tyler Aguilar had 99 yards 
Rushing, 24 yards, receiving, 1 TD. And Kyle Pitts, 27 yards. For the Chargers, this was a good win. This is a win that they actually needed. Now they're 5-3, one game behind the Chiefs. And they need to keep winning until they get to the Chiefs. And maybe they may have a chance to steal the AFC West. If they can get one win over the Chiefs and win the rest of their playoff games. I mean, their um, division games. And the Chiefs maybe lose one or two. That, that's the hope. That's, that's their hope. For the Falcons, they fall to four and five, and Tampa Bay now just became, just got four and five with the win over the Rams. We'll talk about that one in a little bit. So now they're tied for the division lead, and the advantage goes to Tampa Bay because they've beaten Atlanta one time. So we'll see what happens if the Atlanta Falcons can bounce back from this one this coming Thursday. Now let's move on to. The Kirk Cousins Bowl. The Minnesota Vikings versus the Washington Commanders. And the Minnesota Vikings pulled out another close game, 20-17. Kirk, the Washington Commanders were leading 10-7 going into the fourth quarter, so they had a chance. But Minnesota scored 13 points in the fourth quarter and kicked the game-winning field goal. Kirk Cousins had 295 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Dalvin Cook, 47 yards. Justin Jefferson had a big game, 115 yards and a TD. And TJ Huxon, the tight end that they got from Detroit, 70 yards receiving. Taylor Heineke had 150 yards passing, two touchdowns, one interception. Brian Robinson had 44 yards rushing. Curtis Samuel, 65 yards, one TD. Terry McLaughlin, 56 yards for the Vikings they extend their lead now in the NFC North division and as the Packers keep falling the Vikings keep rising now for Washington they're at 4-5 and five. now they were on a little bit of a winning streak and now we have to see what they do this coming Monday when they take on the Philadelphia Eagles but Washington cannot afford too many more losses, or they're not going to even be able to sniff the playoffs. But their problem right now is quarterback play. Taylor Heineke, I mean, he plays he plays okay, but not enough to win at times. You know, passing for 150 yards is not going to get it done. Now let's move on to the Seahawks versus the Arizona Cardinals. The Seahawks have won four straight, winning this one 31-21. Arizona has now lost two out of the last three games and have fell down to 3-6. and six. Geno Smith, still playing excellent ball, 275 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. But they got, they got themselves a real strong running back and Kenneth Walker the third. 109 yards rushing and two TDs. Noah Font, 96 yards receiving. Tyler Lockett, 67 yards receiving, one TD. DK Metcalf, 37 yards, one TD. Kyler Murray had 175 yards passing and two touchdowns. He also rushed for 60 yards. James Conner, who did return, 45 yards. Rondell Moore, 69 yards 
Zach Wilson 40 yards, and Diofkin 36 yards and one TD. 36 yards? I mean, what's going on here? This this is your best player, and the Cardinals need to start stringing some wins along, and you're only going to get D. Hopkins the ball for only 36 yards? Well, we all know what that goes to. I'll talk more about that later. But for the Seahawks, they are now 6-3. And, and they're one game above my, my 49ers. So it looks like if things go the way I think it's going to go, this 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 um the NFC West is going to come down to my 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. Especially if they continue on this um trajectory. For Arizona, it just it just the hits just keep coming. It's just looking bad. And it looks like if they keep fall, uh, falling off, I I they're going to they're going to miss the playoffs. I did say last week the, the next four or five games are going to determine whether they're going to sniff the playoffs or they're going to be sitting on the couch with you and me. Now let's move on to the Rams versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers won this game in dramatic fashion, 16-13, on a, on a game-winning touchdown drive by the GOAT Tom Brady. Now this game was a mostly low-scoring game. I mean, the defense's I mean, they came to play. I mean, these offenses struggled. Tom Brady had 280 yards, one TD, but he had to pass the ball 58 times in order for the um, Buccaneers to pull this one out. But the running game is still terrible. They only had 51 yards rushing as a team. Scotty Miller, 53 yards. Leonard Fournette, who didn't run the ball very well, had 41 yards receiving. Mike Evans, 40 yards. And Chris Godwin, 36 yards. Matthew Stafford had 165 yards and one TD. And, and they only had 68 yards rushing as a team. Now come on, Sean McVay. You're from the Shanahan tree. 68 yards rushing is unacceptable. Cooper Cup had 127 yards, one TD. And nobody else had no more than than 50 yards. Allen Robinson had 24 yards, and that was it. For the Rams, it's just right now. It's the same. It's just the same old Rams. I mean, all it all it is is just Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup. I mean, Van Van Jefferson didn't get no didn't call get any catches. Allen Robinson will get 24 yards. I mean, if, if, if I'm these receivers, they need to start going to Sean McVay and start complaining. It's like, what are we doing out here? We're not getting the ball. Matthew Stafford's just throwing a Cooper Cup. I mean, Van Jefferson and um Allen Robinson might have to ask for a trade. Maybe that might be the only way to get um the the Rams' attention. It's like we're not Cooper Cup's not the only receiver out there. I mean, he's a he's 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 number one receiver, but he's not the only one. But for Tampa Bay, this is this was this was a huge win. Not only get the four and five, but now they're on top of the division because they won the head-to-head versus the Falcons. So it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers going forward. I mean, they play the Seattle Seahawks next week, so 
And let's see, coming uh, after the Seattle Seahawks, let's look at the rest of their schedule here. I'm talking about the, um, the, Tam- the, Tam- the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have, after the Seahawks, they have the Browns, the Saints, my 49ers, and the Bengals. So these next five games could determine whether Tampa Bay will be able to bounce back or will they be sitting at home with you and me and Tom Brady is going to be wondering, I came back for this and shaking his head. Now let's finally go with the Tennessee Titans versus the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs won this game 20-17 in overtime. Now the Tennessee defense, for the most part, held the um, Kansas City offense in check until the fourth quarter. They were leading this this matchup 17-9. But the problem with Tennessee is they had no offense whatsoever. Malik Willis starting his second game at quarterback because Ryan Tannehill was still out hurt. But it showed that he's a rookie and he's just not ready. He only had 80 yards passing and that was it. Derrick Henry had 115 yards and two touchdowns. But Patrick Mahomes worked his magic. 466 y- 446 yards passing on 68 pass attempts one touchdown, one interception. He also had 63 yards rushing and a touchdown. And of course, that touchdown that he threw to McCrone in the fourth quarter, well, actually, correction. He actually ran the ball on that drive that got, that helped them tie the game. Not only got the touchdown run, but he also got the touchdown run on a two-point conversion. So Patrick Mahomes was like, we're not losing this game. I mean, he was a man possessed in that fourth quarter. But they would have kicked the field goal in overtime and got the win. Right now, the Chiefs look like they could overtake the Buffalo Bills as a top team in the AFC. I mean, they have the same record, even though Buffalo has got the lead with the head-to-head. But depending on how Josh Allen's elbow is, is, is going is to be... They may, they may take a little bit of a, of, a, of a nosedive while the Kansas City Chiefs look to go upwards. For the Titans, look, Malik Willis was not, is not ready. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to he's gonna have to probably sit for a couple of years in order to get ready. But either way, I don't think having Tannehill would have made much of a difference. But Tennessee... They're still in the lead in the AFC South, so they just need to keep they just need to keep keep winning and hope that they can get back on track next week. Now let's move on to my takeaways from week nine in the NFL. First takeaway, let's start with the firing of Frank Wright as head coach of the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, Jim Ursay the owner of the Indianapolis Colts said that Frank Wright's job was safe. Obviously, the way they've been the way they've been crumbling, I guess he just couldn't take it no more. So he decided to relieve Frank Wright of his duties. Now look, Frank Wright hasn't seemed to be able to get it right since Andrew Luck retired. I mean, the the, ne- the next year they brought in Philip Rivers. Phil- Philip Rivers got them in the playoffs, 
but they were bounced in the first round. Look, Phillip Rivers was a shell of himself. I mean, by the time they got him, he was at the tail end of his career. Then they got Carson Wentz. They paid, they, they traded away a lot of draft picks, paid a lot of money to get Carson Wentz, and they missed the playoffs on the last day to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jim Hurts realized, oh God, I made a mistake, and decided to move heaven and earth to get him out of there. Then they brought in Matt Ryan from the Atlanta Falcons, thinking they got everything they need. They have the running game, they got the strong defense, and all they need is the quarterback to put them over the top. Well, as you can see, Matt Ryan is showing that he is a shell of himself, and he look and he looks like he's on the verge of retirement. So now, Frank Wright actually benched Matt Ryan and brought in Sam Ellinger, a guy who's not thrown a task in an NFL regular season game until last week, and he didn't look very, he didn't look good at all. So now Sunday night comes, Monday morning, and we find out that Frank Wright has been canned, and now. Jim Ertz decided to hire his boy Jeff Saturday and anybody who don't know who Jeff Saturday is he was the center for the Indianapolis Colts during the Peyton Manning years Jeff Saturday has been, a, has been an analyst on ESPN and also a consultant to the Indianapolis Colts he's never had a head coaching job on college and pro level but Jim Ertz decided to go ahead and hire me anyway. Now, my thoughts are basically similar to anybody else. This is a, this is a crazy move. I mean, look. How now? Not that Jeff Saturday is not a bad guy. I mean, maybe he might do. He might succeed. But you're bringing a guy in that's never coached at any level. And they expect the players to buy in? They expect the assistant coaches that are still on there to buy in. Especially a couple of coaches who've, who've, had, who's got some coaching experience, either, either, either as an assistant or been a head coach in this league. But yet, they got passed over for his boy? All I can say about this, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to say this briefly, if it works out, then Jim Ertz is the smartest um, owner in the NFL. If he doesn't work out, then he's a doofus, and he's the stupidest man and owner in the NFL. Now, one more thing I want to add to this is Jonathan Taylor has been out with an ankle injury. Is he going to be? Is he going to be quick to rush back? And play for Jeff Saturday? Or is he going to say, you know what? This season's loss. Let me go ahead and get ready for next season. When maybe there's a better coach. Or maybe he might want to, he might want to be, get out of there because he doesn't, see, he, doesn't, he doesn't see this team going nowhere. Just something to think about. Second takeaway. I, I said this a few takeaways ago on a couple of episodes, on my last few episodes. And I, I'm talking about the Minnesota Vikings. It's not pretty, but they're looking kind of scary. And I'll tell you, because here's the thing. They, they're not winning pretty, but 
but they're winning they're winning close games what this means is all they have to do is whether they're up or whether they're down all they got to do is stay close and they're gonna and they're gonna pull it out I mean just about all their wins this year have been by seven points or less so if they get in the playoffs and get in a close game there's a good chance they might be able to pull it out I get it they got Kirk Cousins and he, he doesn't do well in the playoffs but this might be a new it might be a new year I'm just saying just watch out for that third takeaway is Justin Fields finally figured it out most importantly is the Bears um, coaching staff finally figuring it out now in a losing effort Justin Fields was balling out I mean Justin Fields seems to be um, getting it together I mean, over the last couple of games, he's he has been throwing the ball better. He's been he's been he's been he's been moving he's been moving the pocket. He's been he's been he's been getting some big plays with both his arm and his legs. Now, when 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 you saw the Dolphins versus the Bears, you're thinking the Dolphins should be able to run all over them, right? But Justin Fields did everything he could to keep. The, the, the Bears in that game and if if the receiver had caught that fourth down pass they would have had a first down and Justin Fields and company would have had a chance to tie it and possibly even win it I mean here, here's what we here's what we had the, the numbers passing wise are not big but here's what we have against Dallas he had 151 yards and two touchdowns no interceptions in this game this past game um, Sunday with the um, Dolphins, he had 123 yards and three touchdowns and no interceptions. And of course, rushing the ball, he had 178 yards rushing. And he, I mean, and, and that loss to the Dolphins. So it looks like the game is finally slowing down for Justin Fields, and the, and the offensive coordinator is finally using this man's talents to the fullest. So all the all the next the next stage of Justin Fields' development is to number one be able to finish games with victories, not just get close and lose in the end, but to finish games, and for the team to get that man an offensive line to block for him, so he doesn't have, have to run all the time and take unnecessary sacks, and thirdly, get that man a solid number two receiver because right now all he has is Doral Mooney and the rest of the guys are just twos and threes mostly threes more than twos so if Justin Fields can keep keep stay on this trajectory year three he's gonna be he's, he's gonna have he's, he's gonna be balling out and it's gonna have a blast and my final takeaway, who's the next head coach that that, that should get canned? Is it possible that Josh McDaniels could get canned after one season? I don't think he's going to get canned, but I think Clint, Kif, Kingsbury needs to get canned. And I'm just going to keep saying it because it happens. Because it just seems like the Cardinals, 
have not gotten any better under him. Every year, except for last year, was an anomaly. They've, they've looked, they have not been able to stack enough wins. I mean, they've lost games that they should have won due to, you know, mismanagement by the coaching staff, by Cliff Kingberry and the coaching staff. So one has to ask, has to ask, I mean, how can you keep him around? I get it. You, you, you sign him into a big contract. You sign Kyler Murray to a big contract. So it's a package deal. But obviously, the package deal don't mean nothing. Everybody knows in the in, in the NFL, you can be. It's, it stands for not for long if you're not producing. As far as Josh Daniel goes, the only way I see him getting fired is the Raiders. Don't don't win no more than two or three games the rest of the season, the rest of the way. And the reason I think he would probably get fired, in my view, is because they're in Las Vegas, and they know if they're not winning, fans are not coming out. Period. There's there's a hundred things to do in Las Vegas than to watch a bad football team. But yeah, Kingsbury needs to be the next one to be canned. That's it for my NFL segment. Now let's move to college football. Let's start off. There were a couple of shakeups here. We'll get, of course, to the um, standings in just a bit. But let's start off with Tennessee versus Georgia. Now, I have to admit, I think I overestimated Tennessee, thinking they were ready for this one. That's why I picked the upset. Obviously, there was no upset because they obviously showed they were not ready for big time. But Georgia, having been there before, was ready for big time. And they took it to Tennessee. I mean, there were a couple of plays that stand out to me what I think decided this game. Now, Tennessee got the turnover, you know, on Georgia's first drive, but ended up kicking a field goal. Then after that, they had no answers for the Georgia um, offense. Georgia was able to do just about anything they wanted to do with against Tennessee's defense. And Tennessee's offense had, just could not get past this Georgia, def- Georgia defense. Another thing that I think made uh, is, in the, is in the second quarter when Georgia had that nice punt. I mean, almost 70-something yards that pinned Tennessee deep. And, of course, Tennessee couldn't, couldn't, get, couldn't, couldn't get past the 10-yard line, had to punt it away. And Georgia offense, Stetson Bennett, played a, had a big game. He had 257 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. I mean, they had 130 yards rushing as a team. And Ladd, um... McCorney had 94 yards receiving one touchdown now on the other side Hendon Hooker he just couldn't get it going he only had 195 yards passing no no touchdowns one interception Jalen Wright had 69 yards rushing Cedric Tillman had 68 yards and Jalen Hyatt had 63 yards it was just a classic case of Georgia knows Georgia's been here before and they were ready to play and Tennessee just wasn't. 
So now Tennessee is probably out of the, it's going to be out of the top four and most likely out of the playoffs because they have no path to get to the SEC championship. Because Georgia has nobody else on their schedule that I that I don't think can beat them. I mean, they play Mississippi State coming up, then Kentucky, and then Georgia Tech. What are the chance of them losing two SEC games? None. Little and none. Tennessee, on the other hand, here's what they have going forward. They have Missouri, South Carolina, and Vanderbilt, all SEC games. So I, I, I don't see... I mean, they may win, win all these games, but it's not going to matter. Because Georgia looks like they've punched their ticket to the SEC championship. So now we need to see who they're going to play going forward. Now let's go to the earthquake that happened in college football this past Saturday. And that was Alabama versus LSU. You figure LSU, you know, it's been hot and cold all season. But it was Alabama, so they came to play. Tennessee, Alabama lost this game 32-31 to 31 in overtime on probably one of the gutsiest calls of the year. Alabama got the ball and scored a touchdown. Then, ten, then LSU scored a touchdown. And Brian Kelly, the head coach, made a gutsy call and went for two to win the game as opposed to going for the tie and going to another overtime. And they converted. Now imagine if Brian Kelly had went for this and they did not get it. He would have gotten killed by the media. I mean... Paul Feinbaum would have been would have been eating would have been tearing him up on his radio show and you know all of us whether it's podcasters sports media figures would have been tearing him up but he had a gutsy call but really the key to this game was the fact that LSU kept this game close throughout the whole game just long enough for them to tie it get it in overtime and pull out this stunning victory Jaden um, Daniels had 182 yards, two touchdown passes. He also had 95 yards rushing and one TD. I mean, look, running quarterbacks have always been an Achilles heel for Nick Saban-like teams over his 15-year period. Bryce Young had 328 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Jamar Gibbs, 99 yards rushing. And... Ja'Cory Brooks had 97 yards pass. I mean, receiving one TD. For LSU, looks like they played the spoiler. Alabama doesn't appear to be going to the SEC championship. LSU might have a chance to sneak in that um, into that into the um, west portion of the SEC. All here's what they have left: they have Arkansas, UBA, and Texas A&M. Those are winnable games for them. But still, they... Because they've already beaten Old Miss. And they've beaten Mississippi State. So now, it's... it's The West of the SEC is their 
their um, division to lose. So, looks like they're going to win those out. So, it's a good chance Georgia will be seeing LSU for the national, for the um, SEC championship. For Alabama, it's just not their year this year. I mean, sooner or later, they're going to have a year like this. Now, it's been it's been like, what, five or six years since they had a, have two losses in one season? So, eventually, it was going to happen. So, 2022 was a year. We're not going to see Alabama possibly in the SEC championship and definitely not in the national championship game. Now let's move on to another upset, one that I don't think nobody saw coming, and that's Notre Dame versus Clemson. Notre Dame upset Clemson 35-14. Notre Dame dominated this game from start to finish. Clemson could not move the ball to save their life for three quarters. Notre Dame basically led 14 to nothing through three quarters. Clemson did score 14 points, but the game was already out of reach because Notre Dame scored 21 points in the fourth quarter. Drew Pine had 85 yards rushing, but they didn't need his passing. The running game was the story of this one. They had 263 yards rushing as a team. Logan Diggs had 114 yards. Ascetic Estime, I said that wrong, my apologies, 104 yards rushing and one touchdown. Mike Mayer had 44 yards receiving and a touchdown. DJ had 191 yards, one TD, one interception, was benched in the third quarter. They brought in um, the freshman, Cade Kubanik, and he threw an interception and that was the end of his night. Will Shipley had 63 yards um, rushing and one TD. More on that in a minute. And Davis Allen had 60 yards receiving. Here's my, here's my, here's my, it was the problem I had all night. What was Clemson doing? Will Shipley is your best player and he only gets 12 carries? I mean, was he hurt or something? I mean, it just seemed like Clemson wasn't even trying to run 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 Will Shipley more than he needed to. I mean their offense was basically stagnated the whole night. And now that's gonna cost them a playoff berth. I mean, they're gonna win the SEC championship. I mean they're most likely playing North Carolina. But still, it just seemed like they just did not they just did not have a good game plan. I mean, the play call was just very lousy. So it's going to be interesting to see who Dabble is going to um, start going forward for the next three um, games. As for Notre Dame, they start off slow, but they bounce back nicely. And now they're 6-3 and three with three straight wins. And coming... And their next two games, they should win. And then they got a big one with USC, the University of Southern California. So, even though Notre Dame most likely will get a bowl game out of this, but the fact that they bounce back after lo- after going 0-2, 
This this is actually a successful season for them. Now for my takeaways from college football. But we're going to start with the college football playoff just came out. And it was as I expected it. Even though I would have made I make one change to it. But let me let's just go into it. Georgia is expected number one. Ohio State number two. Michigan three. And Tennessee four. Now, of course, they got it right. Even though I would argue that Michigan should be number two and Ohio State should be number three. The reason I say that, look at the games last week. Ohio State had to struggle as had to struggle to beat Northwestern. They were able to pull it out, but throughout that game, it was close. CJ Stroud didn't have his best game. And Michigan, even though it was tight early versus um Rutgers, they blew that game wide open and, and, and hung 50 up against Rutgers. So I would argue that Michigan should be two and Ohio State should be three. Now they got TCU right. But it's going to be interesting to see if TCU can hang on. They got a big one versus Texas coming up this Saturday. And of course, as for Michigan and Ohio State, chances are they're probably going to be in this spot until they play each, play each other the day after Thanksgiving. So in my and my other takeaway from this week in college, I'm going to go I'm going to root back to Clemson. What should Clemson do? At quarterback going forward, should they go ahead and, and 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 keep DJ in for another game, or should they start the rookie Cade McNachnick? All I can say is DJ right now seems to be falling back into some bad habits. I mean, I was singing this, I was singing his praises. I was like, he seemed to have improved, and from the from and throughout throughout the, the season. He did look good. But it seemed like over the past couple of games, he's fallen back in some bad habits. I mean, let's look here. Syracuse a couple of weeks back, he had no touchdowns and two interceptions. And this past Saturday, he had one touchdown and one interception. And he's only pat and he passed for 138 yards against Syracuse and 191 yards versus Notre Dame and it, like I say he wasn't proven he, I mean he was cut he cut those interceptions in half but now he seems to be falling back on some bad habits so is it possible so should Dabble Sweeney go ahead and start the um, the freshman and then when the season is over decide look we're just going to have a quarterback competition and whoever wins out is the starting quarterback We'll be, we'll be interesting to see what Dabble decides coming up in the next um, couple of weeks. They got a game this. They got a game this Saturday. So I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be interesting to see if DJ is gonna be on a very short leash, or is he gonna, or is um, Dabble gonna go ahead and just play the freshman and see how he looks in the next I mean, for this game coming up against Louisville. Well, that'll conclude the um, college football segment. Now I'm going to close with 
the World Series. As correctly predicted, the Astros won this series four games to two. And they won game six, four to one over the Phillies. Now the Astros winning their second world title in like in, in two in the last four years, if I'm not mistaken. And um, Jeremy Pennant capped off a brilliant rookie season and won the World Series MVP. And, and more, more importantly, Dusty Baker finally got that elusive ring as a manager. So you know what that means. When, he, when, it, when, it, when his managing days are over, he can go ahead and get that Hall of Fame speech ready. Because he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. And he should. And most importantly, Dusty Baker did this the right way. He be, he came in there, clean, clean, clean the Astros up, because the Astros was damaged goods. After their last um World Series victory, which was tainted by a cheating scandal, Dusty came in there, cleaned it up, and did it the right way. So big ups to Dusty Baker. For winning that World Series ring and cementing yourself in the Hall of Fame. Now for the um, Phillies, it'll be interesting to see what they do going forward. I mean, they got Bryce Harper. I'm sure they'll keep him around. But what they need to do is take a cue from the Astros, build your team off some good hitting and some good pitching. Now it'll be interesting to see if they're able to duplicate what they did last year. But you got to give it up to the Phillies. They weren't supposed to be here. I mean, this was supposed to be the Dodgers um, World Series, the Braves World Series. I mean, the Phillies just sneaked right into the playoffs and took it and, and, and then went on this nice little run from there. So kudos to the Philadelphia Phillies for, for, a, good, for a strong effort. And a nice season. Maybe, just maybe, they may be back here next year. This will include episode 147 of Sports Takes Galore. I'm your humble host, Gabe. Thank you again for listening. Thank you for downloading and streaming. I appreciate it. You can, follow, you can stream this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and wherever you get your podcasts from. You can follow me on Twitter at ggsports13 and follow my Facebook page at Sports Takes Galore Game. I'd like to thank everyone for listening, downloading, and streaming. Have a wonderful evening, and I'll talk to you again on Friday. Bye-bye.